When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I just wanted to provide some thoughts on Salman Rushdie, who is a literary hero of mine and of many others, of course, I'm sure many of you as well. And I've repackaged a five-minute clip from ex-Muslim Yasmin Mohammed discussing why Rushdie was chosen above all others to be the face of the fatwa. First, I guess a bit of background knowledge about Salman Rushdie, a bit of background information for those who aren't familiar. Uh, Salman Rushdie is an Indian writer who found great acclaim with his 1981 novel Midnight's Children. So Rushdie was known for Midnight's Children. It won every prize going. His writing style is incredibly dense and difficult, but rewarding for those who stick with it. He laces every sentence with double meanings and biting satire and goes from the sublime to the ridiculous and then back again in just a matter of words. The themes are just as confounding, profound and all-encompassing. There's no experience quite like reading a Rushdie book. Midnight's Children covers India's transition from British colonial rule to independence and partition, but that sounds a bit boring and is the kind of thing that I would usually find quite boring. But the humour and the way it hones in on bizarre individual stories makes it just an awe-inspiring, incredible read, and it's why Midnight's Children often tops lists of the best books of all time. Now, I read that a few years ago, but a few years before that, I read, and I'm almost scared to admit it, the Satanic Verses. Now, that's the book that got Salman the fatwa, and I know most people might disagree with me here, but I think that it's even better than Midnight's Children. It's simply one of the best books I've ever read, and I can't even describe what happens in it. It's so bizarre and, and again, all-encompassing and strange, hallucinogenic kind of reverie of a book. Um, But one scene in particular became infamous, and it's not even that integral to the telling of the story, and it it became even more controversial than you know, banned books like A Clockwork Orange and Lolita, in fact, far more controversial. And in one of its time-traveling, half-mythological, magical realism scenes, we encounter the prophet Muhammad, among many other semi-real, semi-biblical or Quran-ical figures. And the prophet Muhammad, according to Salman's telling, goes behind a bush and pretends to talk to Allah before returning with rules that suit him, such as having many wives or, you know, that kind of thing, selfish reasons. The, he, he's basically suggesting, like many people have done so before, that religious people are doing things for their own selfish reasons and making stuff up. Now, as far as satire goes, it's actually, you know, pretty tame and not much more elaborate or offensive than, you know, the silly Charlie Hebdo cartoons or anything like that. However, it was deemed offensive by religious zealots, most of whom never read the book. And in 1989, the Ayatollah of Iran called for Rushdie's death. Now, that's what we call a fatwa. Rushdie survived several attempts on his life and went into hiding for many years. One of the book's translators, Hitoshi 
Igarashi was murdered for his involvement in the book, which was banned in India as hate speech against Muslims. Now, as I record this, Salman has finally, after decades, been attacked. Uh, Not too much has been revealed about the attacker, as is often the case with acts of terrorism. But I'm hearing that Salman has lost an eye and potentially the use of his voice. This is a really sad day, not only for Salman Rushdie and his family and friends, but for the literary world, lovers of books, defenders of free speech, and the many moderate Muslims and religious people who will, like most of us, view this as a tragedy. It is being reported that even once detained, the attacker remained rabid, trying desperately to free himself to stab Salman again and again. This is what extreme ideology can do to the mind. As the late Christopher Hitchens would say, they've got brain rot. Here is a clip from an old episode I did with ex-Muslim Yasmin Mohammed about Salman Rushdie. The full episode is number 35 if you want to go back and learn more from her. She's really fascinating and had a, a horrific early life in you know extreme religion. It might be suggested, though I'd be too afraid to do so publicly, that reading the Satanic Verses now covered though you may have to keep it on the train or bus, might be the best and only act of defiance you can show right now. Otherwise, keep safe, spend some time with loved ones, and let's hope that Mr. Rushdie makes a swift recovery. I'm really interested in how, I mean, you speak out a lot against Islam and a lot of people do. I mean, you must worry about that because obviously Salman Rushdie is probably the most prominent, the high profile case. So why did it, what happened to Salman Rushdie happen to him for what was a seemingly innocuous passage from the Satanic Verses? It was just, you know, which is, I was about to say it was my favorite book and then I panicked about saying that, you know, because they killed the translators as well. It killed so many people. So it's just a book that has some very highbrow literature in it and interesting stories. And I won't say any personal opinion about it. But um, yeah, why him? And and why not you or me or anyone else? The more high profile the person is, the more risk they're under. So if you think of any of these dictatorships, Pakistan or Saudi Arabia or Iran or any of them, If an individual person were to break the law, that person would maybe go to prison for the night, they'd be, you know, scared, they'd be fined, whatever. But if that were a musician or an actor or somebody who's famous, they really make an example of that person because they want to keep everybody else in line. Pay attention. This is what happens when you step out of line. Yeah, it was really important for them to make a big example of Salman Rushdie because that would keep people like me quiet. And it worked. Yeah. It worked for a very long time. I, d- I don't think I realized that he was he was that famous. I thought the fatwa sort of made him more famous. I didn't realize he was that famous at the time. I mean, I was quite young. Was it was it the early 90- 90s? No, you're you're right. Actually, they did make him more famous. <laughs> yeah, the Streisand effect, they, they call it. It happened at Bar- Barbara Streisand's building yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. And Ion Hercieli is is another person who um, she made a movie with Theo Van Gogh, Vincent Van Gogh's grandson. Mm. And again, it's a small, you know, low budget movie and was barely even known. But then they killed Theo in the middle of the streets in Holland. And in his chest, when they killed him, they stabbed a, a death threat into his chest for Ion. 
a really long detailed one. And so that propelled Ion into, you know, the stratosphere. Now everybody knows Ion's name. Her books are everywhere. She's doing talks everywhere. She has to be under 24 hour security as well. Um, her life for her and her husband and her kids have been affected, even though this all happened like 15 years ago. So, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a high price to pay, but they can't kill us all. You know, the internet has really helped with us being able to like Ion and, and Salman Rushdie are examples of, of people that, um, you know, all of that was pre social media. Now with social media, so many of us can come out and so many of us can be telling the same stories. And what are they going to do? Stab us all? Put a fatwa on us all? They can't. Maybe. No, I don't think. <laughs> do you know about Zara Kay? Mm-hmm. What's going on with her at the moment? Um, so I think that Zara's situation is a little bit different because she's being charged with speaking ill <laughs> against the Tanzanian president. I mean, she wrote some very benign Facebook posts and Twitter posts where she calls him dumb and, um, you know, legitimately so, right? Like she was, she was criticizing his coronavirus um, Mm. response. Oh, right. And the other one was he imprisoned somebody for saying that he was fat or something like that. So she talked about what, how he had such thin skin. And these, again, to go back to my example of, of Salman Rushdie and Ayan Hirsieli, these posts got like 16 likes, two shares. You know what I mean? Like they did not go viral. Nobody uh, even saw them. Yeah. And they're arresting the poor woman over these ridiculous claims. Now, the what we suspect is that they are actually angry at her for being a vocal ex-Muslim. But they can't do anything about that. So they're trying to find a reason that on the books will stick. And criticizing the president is is a valid reason. In that country, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And she knew in that country it was, which is why when she made those posts, she wasn't in Tanzania. She was in the UK. So that could really help her case. And also the fact that she's not a Tanzanian citizen. Um, she denounced her citizenship. She's an Australian citizen. So she is protected by her own country. Um, she, she has free speech. You know, she has the right to criticize a foreign dictator um, as an Australian or as a, a citizen of Australia living in the UK. She didn't break any laws. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully everything will, will work out fine for her. Thanks for listening to that. Please do follow Yasmin Mohammed on Twitter as I'm sure she will be keeping us abreast of the news on Salman Rushdie. You can find that full episode as number 35 where she talks about her own life in Islam and it's pretty shocking. Out of fear, I won't say too much more. All I'll say is, you know, spend time with loved ones, spread love and freedom and all that kind of thing. Hopefully I won't get stabbed for saying that, surely. Uh, See you soon.
Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.